Hi, this is Kara Eglinton, host of The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and this is our Future is Missing Voice America Kids. Please be on the lookout for 15-year-old Erin Bird. She is considered an endangered runaway. Erin went missing from Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, on November 19, 2011. She is Caucasian, 5'3", weighing 112 pounds with brown eyes and blonde hair. If you know of Aaron Bird's whereabouts, please contact the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children's Hotline at 1-800-THE-LOST. That is 1-800-843-5678. To see a picture of Aaron Bird, please click on the link on the Voice America homepage, Our Future is Missing, or go to ourfutureismissing.com. Thank you. Yo, what's up, y'all? It's your boy Jacob Lattimore with a question from my fans on Voice America Kids. Do you have what it takes to be America's next young superstar? If you're the age of between 8 and 12 years old, then step up to the microphone. You could win $25,000 in cash, a recording contract, and a scholarship. So make sure you get your parents' permission first, then go to www.stepuptothemicrophone.com to enter. Peace. This is VoiceAmericaKids.com. It's time for Speaking of Sports, your weekly look inside at the stats, scores, opinions, and facts from a kid's point of view. You can't miss one moment of the action going on in the next hour. Now, here's your host. Hello, and welcome to our broadcast here of Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids Network. I'm Fabian, and I'm joined today by Jason. And here we are today at Wells Fargo Arena in Tempe, Arizona, as we're preparing to do our USC versus Arizona State Sun Devils broadcast. Uh, yeah, we're getting ready to do a great game of women's college basketball. We'll be covering a lot of what's going on in the world of professional sports. Uh, we're in the midst of college football bowl season, always an exciting time of the year. Uh, of course, the NBA season finally underway after a lengthy lockout, and the NFL season coming to an end for a lot of teams. But, you know, the playoff teams, they do carry on, so it'll be interesting to see what's going to go down in the NFL playoffs. Yeah, so we might as well start, since we're here at a basketball game, might as well start off with the NBA for some NBA predictions. Still early on in this season, but we've still seen a lot of surprising things thus far, such as the Thunder starting out 5-0, and and the Heat also starting out 5-0, and and the Mavericks, the defending champions, starting out losing their first four games. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if I'd quite call any of those a real shocker, except for the Mavericks starting that slow. Um, you know, a lot of teams, I think the favorites from each conference were the Heat and the East and the Thunder in the West. I think if you had general consensus, that's probably what you'd find. Um, but yeah, the Mavericks, like, I think most people agreed that the Mavericks took a step back from last year. Obviously, they lost Tyson Chandler, who's now a New York Knick. Um, and in general, I think people kind of realized the Mavericks, A, they're getting older. They were already an old team last year. And last year, I don't know if they were really the best team in the NBA or even the best team in the West. They really just got hot at the right time. Uh, and, of course, ran into a, an incredibly cold LeBron in the finals. Um, so I'm not surprised that the Mavericks aren't off to an incredible start. 0-4 oh, uh, with some bad losses in there. They got killed by the Heat. I think it wound up being like a 15-point game uh, opening night, but it wasn't even that close. I'm um, really just getting obliterated out there a lot of times. Uh, I'm a little bit surprised, I will say. Yeah, the Mavs, I think, getting definitely older and a lot smaller. Their defense, they have so many holes, they're missing Tyson Chandler. Definitely last season was the Mavericks MVP. The Mavericks finally put together a solid defense with them, and now they got older with Vince Carter being one of the additions. Vince Carter been having a good season thus far, nothing against him, but Jeff definitely not putting up Tyson Chandler numbers. They got a lot smaller, and they're trying to become a faster team, but when you have older players such as the Mavericks do, it's not really that good of a situation. Right. I like the move for Lamar Odom, but he hasn't really panned out that well thus far, getting ejected in the first game of the third quarter. Yeah, the Odom trade, definitely something the Lakers did out of necessity. You know, Odom was upset after being involved in that Chris Paul trade rumor. They had to get rid of him. Mavericks definitely got the better end of that. But yeah, losing Tyson Chandler is a huge thing for the Mavericks uh, because what people don't realize, the NBA is very guard-driven right now. Your main scorers, your best players, there are a lot of perimeter players. But if you look at every elite team in the NBA, all the teams that made runs, last year especially, they have big men in the middle. They have those defensive centers, the defensive post players, to soak up rebounds, to do things like that. Um, whether it's you know Dwight Howard in Boston, um, even someone, uh, someone like Tyson Chandler in Miami, 
even someone like in uh, in Miami, even you think about their perimeter players in uh, Wade and LeBron, um, and then but then if you look down in the post, they've got Bosch and they've got generally uh, they've surrounded Wade and LeBron with three-point shooters, but also with those guys to you know to rush the rebounds, to hit the boards, um, and that's just vital. And the Mavericks just don't have that. They don't have that guy to take up space at the center position. Yeah, especially with the Heat. Joel Anthony, I think, is one of the more underrated players in the NBA. He doesn't surprise you offensively, but defensively, he's key at getting boards and blocks. And for that Miami defense, it's just pretty much turning out to be one of the best in the league because it's that unique, that, how much athleticism around the ball. But now it's turning from Tyson Chandler's old team, the Mavs. Let's go look at their new team, the Knicks. Looking a lot better this season, especially with the opening day win against Celtics. But they do still have those lingering issues from last season. Yeah, I mean, they're, they've had some growing pains. They've, they're off to a 2-4 start right now. It certainly isn't what you want out of a team that's supposed to compete uh, in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they've really got issues of their immediate depth. In my opinion, uh, D'Antoni really needs to not do a Mike D'Antoni rotation. D'Antoni's used to usually going kind of 7-deep, maybe an 8-man rotation. That's absolutely not the Knicks' strength. You go to that bench, there is not an elite bench player out there. Their best six man might be someone like Mike Bibby or Bill Walker, or someone who you haven't really heard from lately. That being said, they can go to a full-on second unit, bring in a full five fresh pairs of legs, and work it that way, because they do have a solid all-around bench. There's just no one out there who really shines, and I think that's something they're going to have to learn to do. Um, and the other thing is, I don't think Tony Douglas, the point guard for the Knicks right now, I don't think he's the answer at the one. They drafted Iman Shumpert with their first overall pick this past season. I expect him to take over at the point at some point this year. And also, you still have to like Mike Bibby, especially defensively. And also, maybe Baron Davis, when he's healthy, he say he's going to sign with the Knicks. He could be a little bit of an offensive punch every once in a while when he's motivated. Right. Baron Davis definitely doing a great job as a leader on that team already. Um, that opening day game, a fight almost broke out. Uh, Kevin Garnett did not like a hit that he took. And sure enough, Baron Davis was right there in the middle of things, breaking up a fight with you know a much larger Kevin Garnett. So yeah, I think Davis has already had a good impact on those two young point guards in Douglas and Shumpert. Same thing with Mike Bibby. Um, and yeah, I think there's a spot for both of those guys. I'm just not sure if it's really in the starting five for the Knicks. Yeah, also talking about the Celtics, they've been off to a slow start, but unlike most of these teams, they kind of have a reason. They have really no offensive firepower due to the fact that Paul Pierce has been injured most of the time. But one thing that surprised me on that team, Rajon Rondo might be one of the cont contenders for most improved player. His shooting ability has improved. He has proven that he can actually be a scorer for the Celtics team when he has to be. Yeah, Rondo's spectacular. I'm not. I always wondered last year when Rondo was going out and putting up near triple doubles at will, why people saw guys like Derrick Rose and guys like uh, guys like Derrick Rose and Russell Westbrook as much better than Rajon Rondo. He is on that elite level of point guards. Like you mentioned, his scoring is much improved, but Rondo not being able to shoot has never been an issue for him. The guy makes plays. He makes everyone around him much better, um, and he can also hit the boards. Rondo's a great player, and yeah, like you said, if he can improve his shot in the slightest, get himself any kind of a mid-range game going, he's going to be a dynamic scorer because he's so fast he can get to the hole pretty easily. Yeah, but also the Celtics really took a huge shot in the knee when they lost Jeff Green for the season. Although he received his criticism last year, he was still a vital part for that Celtics team down the stretch, becoming a key scorer off the bench when they needed it. Yeah, Green was important. Honestly, part of me thinks that Jeff Green might wind up back into a Thunder uniform. I have absolutely no reason to believe this other than it makes sense. Um, but in Oklahoma City, there's a lot of controversy about Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant getting along together, working well together. And I just couldn't see. It makes a lot of sense for a Celtics team that hasn't been too satisfied with Rajon Rondo to make some kind of trade involving Rondo and Westbrook. Um, and, you know, Jeff Green could be a type of guy thrown in there, especially since he's already been comfortable in Oklahoma City. Yeah, well, I, I think that they're starting to work it out. They had that one scrum earlier on in the year, but they've dismissed it, and they look like they're actually getting some really good chemistry together. Hopefully, hopefully. Uh, I mean, I'm just... Personally, I'm kind of opposed to the Russell Westbrook or Derrick Rose style of point guard. I don't see point guards as that high-volume scorer-type position. Um, I, I appreciate what Derrick Rose can do taking over a game when he needs to, 
like when they're not getting production from a Carlos Boozer or when they need to match the scoring of a Carmelo Anthony or LeBron James. When Derrick Rose needs to take over a game down the stretch, I see the advantage of having a point guard who can do that. But 20 shot a night point guard, I just don't think is ever going to be a winning formula in the NBA. Well, we have seen in the past, of course. Uh, Magic Johnson, he, although he's known for his passing, he can score. He, uh, at points in his career, he averaged about 20 points a game. So they could work in the system, and Derrick Rose has been playing well this season. The Bulls, I think, are the only the one few team, one of the few teams in the league that could has a chance of taking down the Heat this season, especially with the addition of Rip Hamilton. Yeah. That way the load is not entirely on Rose. I still like Rose's style of point guard because he's proven that he can be an elite passer as well. Yeah, Hamilton was a good addition, a nice solid shooting guard, a point threat off the bench. Um, but people forget, last year when the Bullets pretty much just became the Derrick Rose show, that's not really what they were supposed to be. The team's supporting cast isn't supposed to be pretty terrible. Carlos Boozer is supposed to be a bit of an elite power forward. Joakim Noah showed a lot of promise in the playoffs, as did Luol Deng. That team's not supposed to be, uh, you know, that team's not supposed to be quite so superstar driven. So I agree, with those role players playing better this year, I think the Bulls are one of the few teams in the East who can challenge the Miami Heat. And I guess it's time for us to take a break here. Once again, we are at Wells Fargo Arena in Tempe, Arizona, preparing for our ASU versus USC women's basketball broadcast. I'm here with, I'm Fabian here with Jason here on Speaking of Sports. We'll be back. Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. Kids these days are so connected to the media that they can't help but be surrounded by news and politics. Today's kids get more information than kids of past generations, and because of that, they have more informed opinions. Kids today may not be able to vote yet, but they can certainly influence voters and issues with their voices. Tune in every week for America Today and talk about the issues and influence the decision makers. America Today airs every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. Now there's a new destination for video content, VoiceAmerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support you. Behind the Line is all about the inside of sports from a kid's point of view. This is a look at all of the action from Behind the Line. Join your host every Wednesday at 3 p.m. whether you're a kid or was a kid at some time in your life. We'll run down all of the scores, talk about the games of the past week, and preview what's coming up in the next week. You'll want to take notes because this is good stuff. The place to be Wednesdays at 3. That's 6 p.m. Eastern is the Voice America Kids channel for Behind the Line. Want to laugh yourself silly over the crazy happenings of the celeb world and beyond? Tune in to Behind the Mask on Voice America Kids. Your hosts will uncover the celebrities you know and love, along with some that you might not know in this country, but they are admired across the world. But it's not just the famous that need to look out. We'll look inside the music biz, stage, and of course, the big screen. Listen to Behind the Mask every Thursday at 8 p.m. on Broadway and 5 p.m. Hollywood side on the Voice America Kids channel. You're tuned in to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Now, back into the action. Thank you, and welcome back to Speaking of Sports. I'm Jason. Joining me today is Fabian. Uh, we're here live doing some pregame from Tempe, Arizona, before tip-off for the Arizona State versus USC women's college basketball game. Uh, we just covered the NBA, looking at kind of the year, looking at preview, looking at some of those big-time teams, you know, the Knicks, the Celtics, the Heat, the likes of them. Uh, now we're going to be moving on to the National Football League, the NFL, uh, giving out some grades for a few teams who had some controversial finishes to their seasons uh, and looking at some of those teams who are continuing to play, some of those playoff teams. Uh, Fabian, I think we should start things off with one of the most interesting teams that didn't make the playoffs. That's, of course, the New York Jets. Things blowing up in New York at the end of the season, a disappointing 8-8 eight eight finish and possibly a toxic locker room uh, over in the Meadowlands. Yeah, the Jets need to make a change. Doesn't matter. I don't think it's a head coach because Rex Ryan is a good head coach, 
but he may talk a bit much. Jets ownership might need to get on him a little bit more about that. But also, I think LeJany Tomlinson's played his last game as a Jet. And I think, although he signed a new deal, I think San Antonio Holmes is on his way out. Yeah, I mean, Holmes has blown up a locker room before. Holmes, the reason they were able to get San Antonio Holmes from Pittsburgh on the cheap was, of course, uh, because of his off-the-field problems, which appear to have surfaced again in New York. Um, I think the thing about San Antonio Holmes, though, is he is a spectacular receiver that they have locked up. Holmes is by no means an elite receiver, but I think in the right system with a functioning offense, he could be a big-time Pro Bowl receiver. Um, I think what they have to do, I don't think it's going to be any major personnel losses. I agree that Ladanian Tomlinson is not what he was last season. He is not a viable second running back. But I think they do have a viable backup running back in Joe McKnight. Um, I think what's going to be, they're going to have to philosophically look at what they want to do. Brian Schottenheim, I think, is a genius of an offensive coordinator. But that offense was lost this year. They wanted to be, they were shaping up these past two years to be a big time run the ball to set up the pass offense, using a lot of play action, things like that, off of a top ranked rushing attack. And they just dropped it entirely this year because of their depleted O line. The O line's terrible now. It used to be one of the best units in the league. Their offensive line now, it's Nick Mangold and the Brickishaw Ferguson are great. But the rest of the O line has so many holes that they just can't run the ball. I think that's what they need to look to do. They need to rebuild in the trenches both lines, offensive and defensive. Yeah, the whole right side of the offensive line is depleted. Yeah. Also, I, I, there's been rumors, but I don't see the Jets getting Peyton Manning. I don't see it. First of all, they've already committed to Mark Sanchez. His confidence is probably at an all-time low right now. You don't want to bring that down from a rookie quarterback who still has a lot, of, a young quarterback who still has a lot of promise, and bringing in Peyton Manning, especially if you're unsure about Peyton Manning's health. Also, I think they made a bad decision in trying to make Plaxico Burris the number two receiver. He's at best right now in the NFL at his age and his time out of the game. A number three receiver, red zone target, perhaps. Dustin Keller is one of the few bright spots on that offense. Santonio Holmes, when motivated, he can be well, play well. I think the Jets maybe need a secondary receiver for sure. And also, on defense... They need to get a better pass rush. They have not been able to get, get out, get to the quarterback. And Darrell Rivas and, and that entire secondary is all right. Yeah. But they have been torn up at times by certain teams, such as the Patriots. And they've been torn up a couple times. But they need to pick their head up and also try and move forward. Make a couple changes. Make something big, but don't... Don't completely destroy this team. This team has had potential. It's shown that. That's why they've gone to the AFC Championship game the last two seasons. Right. I agree with exactly what you're saying about getting an edge rusher. If you look defensively, where the Jets weren't nearly as dominant as they've been in the past few years, secondary, like you said, is at least solid, if not very good. Middle linebackers, they're very good. Uh, they've got, you know, they've got Bart Scott, obviously, and David Harris. They've got two great middle linebackers. They've got outside linebacker Calvin Pace. He signed long-term. They're stuck with him. But that other outside linebacker slot, they drafted a defensive end last uh, with their first pick last season. I think he's going to work out, uh, Muhammad Wilkerson. But nose tackle, one defensive end, and one outside linebacker. They need to look at those spots on the defense. And like you said, on the offense, that entire right side of the line, they need to do something about that. Yeah, and now on to another team that's always a topic conversation, probably the most talked about team other than the Jets that didn't make the playoffs, the Dallas Cowboys, who, despite having numerous issues throughout the season, still had a chance to make the playoffs, but are unable to beat the Jets. I mean, the Giants. So the Giants are the ones making the playoffs. Cowboys are not. Yeah, another disappointing finish for this team. Yeah, you know, I don't really know exactly. The Cowboys, I think, are in an interesting spot. I just honestly believe, I don't think the Cowboys really have an elite level of talent. Much like how the San Diego Chargers became famous for not winning with talent, and then they lost all their talent, and nowadays don't win, I think the Cowboys might be in a similar spot. Tony Romo is not the problem. Tony Romo will lose you some games. He'll also win you some games. It, it evens out. Tony Romo's a pretty good quarterback. Receiver, they've got some pretty good options. Des Bryant's a total beast. Miles Austin is a very good second target if you have Bryant. Running game, they've got some running backs. They just refuse to run it. O-line's all right. They're just really an all right team. 
And it really comes out to being a 9-7 and seven football team, which is around where they've wound up these past few years. Um, so I think the Cowboys are a team where it's kind of tricky because they can't just replace one guy. They can't make one guy a scapegoat because I think head coach Jason Garrett's a good pick too. They really just need to look in the draft, try and draft the best available player, and just try and improve their team over time in you know, small amounts. Well, I think Tony Romo has improved this season a lot as a passer. He's starting to do one thing that he did, never used to do, which create problems. He did the little things well this season. Early on in the season, he had some struggles, but I think late in the season, he was probably the Cowboys' most consistent player. Probably. Yeah. He was playing well. Bryant was getting injured a lot. I think Jason Garrett is a good head coach, but taking care of time in the fourth quarter has come back to bite him in a couple of situations. And also, special teams. Just little errors on special teams, like not being able to make chip shots on field goals. Right. Muffing punts. Turnovers. It's really killed him. I think the one of the few bright spots... For the Cowboys in the late part of the season that ended up with his loss, ended up, I think cost him a playoff spot, was DeMarco Murray. He has proven he can be a phenomenal running back. I think when he got injured, Cowboys' playoff chances died. Yeah, Cowboys have been able to function on some level of a running back by committee, but it's been running back by committee of guys with elite talent. From back in the days with uh, Julius Jones and Marion Barber a few years back, nowadays they've got Felix Jones, they've got DeMarco Murray, like you said. They've got enough talent there at the running back. I agree, it's a matter of health to some degree. Um, and like you said, the little things. I think Jason Garrett's going to learn to do those things, like manage the clock, get a good special teams coach. But I think you can't replace in Jason Garrett, you can't replace what an offensive schematics genius he is. I think he understands offense in the NFL as well as anybody, and I don't think that's someone you just fire. Yeah, but I think on the defensive end, don't fire Rob Ryan because he has had his good moments this season. Right. But you need better personnel. His system it is a good system. It just did not fit the Cowboys' personnel this season at all. This When Rob Ryan, any Ryan system, you need a good secondary. Right. The Cowboys' secondary this fast. season was pretty much a joke because Terrence Newman is past his prime, I believe. And the other corners struggle. Sensabaugh is one of the few bright spots on that secondary. He's a solid safety and a good hard-hitting safety. But and also they just need a better pass rush. With the exception of Demarcus Ware, no one's getting to the quarterback. Yeah, I think Ware covers a lot up for a lot of those deficiencies in the pass rush. So if I was the Cowboys, I'd probably focus on that secondary. Um, I've always felt Terrence Newman's one of the most overrated cornerbacks in the NFL. He's just not an elite guy. He might be a one. He might be a two uh, in that cornerback position. Um, so yeah, I agree. You improve that defense. You get it going under coaches Jason Garrett and Rob Ryan. I think you could have a winning team in Dallas next season. Uh, we're running a little bit short on time, Bobby, and I think there's one more really dynamic team that we need to cover. This is a team that's in the playoffs, just barely. That's, of course, the Denver Broncos, maybe the next most talked about team. Just in general, do they have a chance against Pittsburgh in this first-round playoff matchup? Um, and what's going to happen with Tim Tebow, with this defense, with John Elway as the uh, team president? What's going on in Denver? I don't think if Tebow listens to, El to Elway's advice, they're going to win this weekend. Elvis says, just pull the trigger. Well, Tim Tebow, when he pulls the trigger, he's not very accurate. Yeah. So, they have to work. I think Tim Tebow has got to get his confidence back. You've been able to see the last couple games, they've lost pretty much all confidence. And the defense is still playing well and keeping them in games. But here's the thing. The Broncos, their system, it relies on, it's very little room for error. You need no turnovers. You need to be very precise. And lately, these last couple weeks, they've been sloppy. They've been getting lots of turnovers. Tebow is making bad decisions in the red zone. And they've just been able to not been able to do the things that they did in that six-game winning, six winning streak, which is stay away from turnovers. And now Tim Tebow, the last couple games, he's had numerous fumbles, numerous interceptions, and he's just lost our confidence. I think what they need to do, start the game against the Steelers, pound the ball. Try to get some rhythm on offense. Let their defense do the work. Play sort of that Steelers mentality of football. Yep, Tebow's looked pretty bad these past few weeks, but somehow Tim Tebow in a big game, it's hard to bet against that. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. Be sure to keep it right here. This is Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Do you believe in the supernatural? Well, some do and some don't, which is why Beyond the Third Dimension looks at both sides. You have one host who believes in ghosts, while the other can't think of anything more ridiculous. Put them together and you get some great discussion and some real discoveries and exploration of the paranormal, and then some. Tune in to Beyond the Third Dimension, airing Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Kids. And try not to be afraid of things that go bump in the night. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Kids face very tough and very real issues every single day. It can be bad. It can be ugly. Now there's something good that can help. Tune in to The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll discuss the issues and provide solutions and connections to solutions that you will be able to use. Our show goes right to the heart of today's kids and beyond. Your parents will probably want to listen in, too. The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly airs Mondays at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 Eastern on Voice America Kids. You just love your pets. But sometimes, they can get to be a handful. And just when you think you have them under control, that's when things get, well, crazy. For help, tune into Paul's Around the World. You'll get the inside secrets on keeping your pet the friend it's supposed to be, along with stories to keep you warm and fuzzy. Listen Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Kids. You're tuned in to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Now, back into the action. Welcome back to Speaking of Sports here on Voice America Kids Network. We're here in Wells Fargo Arena in Tempe, Arizona as we prepare for ASU-USC Women's Basketball Showdown. We we just finished talking about the NFL, and now we're going to talk about some general NCAA overview as far as college football goes. We're in the middle of bowl season, very important time of the year, very exciting time, lots of great matchups, and we've seen a lot of these bowls, a lot of records broken. Uh, yeah, I mean, we start out with the biggest record broken so far, that Orange Bowl the other night. West Virginia putting up 49, was it, in the first half? Yeah. 70 as a whole. That West Virginia offense, I'm not sure if it was the West Virginia offense or the Clemson defense, but that was really something else. Um, it, it was a matchup between the Big East and the ACC. I think those are pretty clearly the two weakest BCS conferences. But still, just an impressive showing by that West Virginia team. Um, because Clemson, even though they might not belong in a BCS bowl game, they are a pretty good team. They are a top 15 team in this country, I think. Uh, and West Virginia just made a joke out of them, really. That West Virginia offense... You know, it's not Rich Rodriguez's offense. It's not the same spread, run every play offense that you're used to seeing from West Virginia. It's really something else. It's really something that's pretty impressive uh, over there for the Mountaineers. Yeah, well, I have to argue your case for Big East being a weak BCS school, especially with the new conference realignment. In its current state, Big East is a weak conference. But with the new realignment, I think Big East has potential to really improve the next couple of years especially when you're bringing in a school such as Boise State, which has proven it can win some pretty big games. Yeah, Boise State is definitely, I think Boise State has to immediately be the favorite in the uh, in the Big East. That's a big-time school. That's At this point, Boise State has to be viewed as one of the elite programs in college football. So adding them, I think, yeah, you're right, makes a big difference for the Big East. Um, but other conferences are pretty much on the rise as well. If you look around, the Pac-12, the SEC, uh, TCU joining, uh, TCU throwing their weight around as well. These things really make a big difference. The Big East isn't the only conference improving. Kind of everyone but the Big 12 is. Well, yeah, and also you have to talk, Pac-12, I think, if the teams in the Pac-12 South can prove that they can win on a consistent basis and not have their slip-ups, 
Otherwise, they're going to sound like an ACC team, a team that has a lot, so much potential but always seems to struggle in the big moments. Pac-12 South, with the exception of USC, ha really has to prove itself next season. USC, I think, has a really good potential next season to make a maybe even a potential national title run, especially with the return of Mac Berkeley. But Pac-12 North is really a powerhouse right now. I have to say, with Oregon, Stanford, and Washington put up a pretty good showing in the Alamo Bowl against Baylor. But also, Big Ten is a big conference on the ride, especially with the addition of Nebraska. Nebraska has had a good showing. Penn State's always good. Ohio State's looking to improve. Despite all the... They have talent. They just need to improve. Wisconsin's got excellent football team, especially with Monty Ball coming back. And also, Michigan's on the rise. So Big 12, Big Ten is definitely a conference to look at. Boise State, TCU coming up with elite programs, and they've really been surprises in recent years. Houston being one win away from a potential BCS bull bid. Yeah, I agree. We're really seeing teams, uh, schools out there building programs instead of building instead of building dynasties. Really, we're not seeing like the Pete Carroll USC's teams. We're just 10 years straight, they're going to dominate. We're not seeing like any of the old Alabama teams like that. Although Alabama's been very good recently, we're seeing a lot of schools able to recruit solid, consistent recruiting classes, as opposed to a few teams, you know, usually one in each region, one in the Pacific Coast, one in the South, etc., gobbling up all the big-time recruits. I think I agree. That's very good for college football. That's how you get big-time rivalry games like Oklahoma versus Texas. Uh, the Red River Shootout is at its best when both Oklahoma and Texas are able to get some recruits each, able to both build solid programs instead of trying to smother the other school. Yeah, well, I still think SEC is, without a doubt, the top Absolutely. conference. Absolutely. They've proven it. They have, 16, they have six teams in the top 25. They have two teams in the national championship game. And then you're looking at every single year, top recruiting classes, you have... Guys from going to South Carolina, guys going to Auburn, of course Alabama, LSU. Last year, so many of the top recruits, I think, I believe about five of the top ten recruits went to either Auburn or South Carolina. Auburn or South Carolina, two programs definitely on the rise, and it's all just SEC generated. SEC East is definitely a good, good, but the SEC West needs to improve. There needs to be a team that needs to step up. Now, Florida is pretty much decreased. George is looking to be that team, but they're too inconsistent, I believe, at times. So one of those teams has to really step up. I agree. you got to wonder about coaching over there in Georgia um, because that's just a team that loses bad ball games sometimes, a team who just loses the, uh, loses the schools that they really shouldn't. Um, they have elite talent, like you mentioned, Bobby, and everyone in the SEC has elite talent because, really, we're seeing the South pretty much producing most of college football's top-tier players. Um, so, yeah, I agree. A school like Georgia, really any of those schools in the SEC West has the talent to compete with the best of the SEC East and with the best in college football. It's just a matter of using that talent and creating a good, consistent program uh, like Steve Spurrier is working on in USC. Yeah, now going back to bowl games, we've seen uh, so many incredible, exciting bowl games thus far. Two bowl, BCS bowl games going to overtime already. That's already a BCS record. And numerous other bowl games going to double, triple overtime, such as that Michigan State-Georgia game, which Michigan State prevailed in triple overtime. But also, we've seen so, several new schools emerging and creating competitive games. Like you see, a perfect example of that is the Fiesta Bowl. Two incredibly new programs to, to the elite stage. Yet creating both of them, both I think could have made a case in the national championship game, and it created an electrifying game. Stanford, Oklahoma State, two of the best teams I've seen in a while. That game was electric from the start, and Andrew Luck is without a doubt the number one pick. Yeah. I see little to no flaws in his game thus far. Also, one thing I noticed, Brandon Whedon, I believe. If it wasn't for his age, he'd be a top five pick right now. I think right now, he might fall to a team in the second round and maybe end up being to a team what Andy Dalton was to the Bengals. Falling far because of certain things and then coming back and leading his team to having a pretty elite group. Perhaps maybe having a Blackman 
Whedon reunite, reunite having drafting Blackman in the first round, Whedon in the second round. Yeah, definitely going to be strange having, what, 27-year-old rookie in there for some franchise. Uh, but we do know he knows how to be a professional. He's done that before. Um, I agree. We really saw some great quarterbacking play from both ends. Andrew Luck completely sold me in that game. I understand that a lot of people are starting to lean towards uh, RG3, Robert Griffin of Baylor, as the number one overall pick. There are some people who see him as a better talent, a better specimen than Andrew Luck. Um, but to me, Andrew Luck just looks like the clear-cut best player in college football. I understand that Stanford is kind of a rushing attack. Um, you know, they kind of run a traditional offense with big-time running back play in addition to Andrew Luck. But the way Luck throws the ball and the way he sees the field and the accuracy of his passes, it's Brady-esque, honestly. He reminds me of a Tom Brady who can move um, just because of the sheer accuracy that he's able to put on that ball. And one of the other things, though, he reminds me so much of Peyton Manning. You know why? The way he commands his team at the line. The way he calls his own plays. He audibles each of his best situations. He sees that team stacking the blitz. He quickly changes play and makes it look incredible. Andrew Luck is definitely a talent to be watched. But also a guy I think that needs to be watched in college. That's going to be in college for the next couple of years. DeAnthony Thomas in that Rose Bowl game. He has proven he can be one of the most dynamic players in college football for years to come. Him and Sammy Watkins, I look forward to seeing him in three, four years. Yeah, I agree. That's kind of a, that level of dynamicism. We see it doesn't always translate to the NFL. It's one thing we've seen guys like Reggie Bush, but a very good season this year, but has not been able to live up to the hype. But certainly raw speed and versatility is something that's always useful. Those all-purpose yards is always a good stat to look at. And like you mentioned, those two guys do it as well as anybody. Um, yeah, I agree. We'll have to see what comes with their upperclassmen. We'll come for them as juniors and seniors. And then hopefully in the NFL. Yes, but also, Russell Wilson, I like his chances. He looks like a real pro NFL quarterback. There's questions about his accuracy at times. There's questions about his size. But I think he's like a Drew Brees type player. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I'm not sure if I agree with you quite on that one on the Drew Brees comparison. But only time will tell. As We're going to take a break here. Uh, this is Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. The Terrence Rogers Show will take the world by storm. The topics are sometimes newsworthy, sometimes personal, as we explore fashion, entertainment, art, and more. Host Terrence Rogers has seen a lot of life experience in his few years of life. It's this experience that allows him to bring a fresh perspective to the table, and he holds nothing back. Tune in to The Terrence Rogers Show every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Kids channel. You'll laugh, cry, and most importantly, this show will reach out and touch your life. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. What is Take Two? Take two crazy hosts, put them in front of two microphones, and use your two ears to enjoy the fun. Times two. Take Two. We'll go back, way back to the favorite TV shows of our childhood. Your parents' childhood. Um, no. Uh, try again, Chris. Take two. We'll take you back to the favorite TV shows of our generation, past and present, and apply them to what's going on in our own lives. Trust us, it'll be a blast. Tune in to Take Two every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Kids channel. There is so much going on in the tech field. The Technology Show is here to sort it all out so that you know exactly what you need to get and what you should avoid. In this age of cell phones and text messaging and new discoveries every single day, you need to be informed. We'll bring you previews of new products, technology news, and help you make the right decision when you are out there buying that new MP3 player, cell phone, or mobile device. Don't do a thing until you've tuned in to The Technology Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Kids. What are some of the issues that kids face every day? You'll find out when you tune in to the appropriately named Today's Kids. 
your hosts are here to open the doors to a forum of all kinds of issues. Nothing is off the table here, and because it's on the Voice America Kids channel, you know you're getting a kid's perspective. Tune in every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for today's kids. Your hosts will lead this forum of engaging conversation on Voice America Kids. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. You're tuned in to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Now, back into the action. Thank you, and welcome back to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. I'm Jason. Joining me today is Bobby, and we're here live from Tempe, Arizona, broadcasting some pregame before a women's college basketball matchup between Arizona State University and the University of Southern California. As we are just talking about uh, NCAA bowl season, we are just talking about college football, we got into a little bit of a couple of guys who may or may not translate into the NFL game. So, Bobby, let's take a look at some of the biggest prospects for the NFL next season. And also, let's start out with a couple of guys who did not declare for the NFL draft. A couple of guys who will go back for their senior season. This is, of course, Monte Ball and Matt Barkley. Yeah, Mar Matt Barkley, I really like his decision. I think it was a smart decision, especially... I think he's a top five, maybe number one overall quarterback prospect. He has that kind of ability. Especially now with USC having the opportunity to be in a bowl game next year. Now that their suspension's over. Also, I think this year, I don't think I'm pretty sure he would not be the top quarterback in this draft class. I see Luck for sure, and possibly RG3 being ahead of Barkley in this draft class. Yeah, I agree. Um, also, there's the other element is that Barkley is definitely a guy who wants to win that bowl game, wants to win that national championship. I think even though we sit here and look at Matt Barkley and say what a success he's been in college and how great he is, I think somewhere along the line, Matt Barkley wants to have a college career like a Matt Leinart of sorts uh, and not so much like a, you know, a John David Booty or even a Mark Sanchez, guys who didn't quite get it done, didn't live up to that USC name. I think that's kind of what Barkley's looking for. But I agree. From a draft prospect point of view, I don't think this is going to be like a Jake Locker thing where he would have been the first pick in the draft, but he slides all the way down to you know 10 or 15. Same thing happened to Matt Leinert. Um, I agree that I think next year's quarterback class just really can't be as strong at the top as this season's um, because I feel like RG3 and Andrew Luck are being viewed as two of the best quarterback prospects in a very long time. Whereas without those two in the picture, Barkley, I agree, jumps to the top of those quarterback rankings. I think he can get himself a first overall pick. Well, speaking pick. of another quarterback who is coming back next year, who I think could make some noise after having a disappointing year this year is Landry Jones out of Oklahoma. Yeah. He's a guy with potential and a pretty big arm. And I think Oklahoma is a team that has some growing up to do. And I think we'll come back better than ever next season. Yeah, you know, honestly, there have been a few quarterbacks who really didn't get the credit they deserve because of the huge years by RG3 and Andrew Luck and all the hype around them. Landry Jones, uh, Russell Wilson over in Wisconsin. These guys didn't quite get noticed this year. They could be huge-time NFL quarterbacks a couple years down the road. It'll be interesting to see. Obviously, it'll be interesting to see who gets Luck and Griffin this year, but even next year's quarterback draft should be a good one. Uh, let's talk about Andrew Luck, a guy who is coming out. Let's really look at him, comparing him to Robert Griffin III, who foregoed his senior season and seems like he'll enter the NFL draft. If you were a head coach picking first overall, you need a quarterback. Who would you rather have, Luck or Griffin? Easy, Luck. First of all, because of all the hype he's had, if you don't want Luck and if you decide you don't like Luck as a prospect, you can still draft him and trade him and get that many picks for him in return. And you can get that much in return, and you can get set up your franchise for years to come if you don't want it. You can also easily trade down, trade yourself down to that six-round pick, and that six-overall pick, but also pick up a couple other first-rounders, set your franchise up for years to come, and then maybe you can go RG3 there in six overall, and then you can help set up your franchise. Um, yeah. 
I guess as a whole, I agree with you. You kind of have to take Andrew Luck. Like you mentioned, all of that hype surrounding him. If you pass up on Andrew Luck, you're going to look ridiculous. Obviously, there's always a winner and a loser when there's two type of prospects like this. You know, for every Peyton Manning, there's usually a Ryan Leaf. For every Kevin Durant, there's a Greg Oden. Um, but at some point, you kind of have to take Andrew Luck. That being said, I think if you ignore Luck, if you ignore what we think Luck can do, if we ignore things like Luck's leadership, I think RG3 might be the better raw quarterback prospect. I think Griffin's a better athlete. I think he's got similar passing ability, similar arm strength. Not quite Luck's accuracy, but that could come. And I think he's a spectacular athlete on top of that. Yeah, but I don't really see RG3 settling into like a Cam Newton type player. Cam Newton is a guy who I think would tra translate to the NFL really easily because of his size, right. because of its ability. RG3 is a little bit more of a smaller quarterback. I think built more like a Michael Vick. And if he can become like how Vic was last season, being able to pass in the pocket but also move when he has to, I think he has potential. If not, he could turn up into a Jamarcus Russell type quarterback. Yeah, I agree that people comparing Robert Griffin to Cam Newton is a little bit ridiculous. You know, the Cam Newtons and Tim Tebow's of the world, they're kind of like, you know, guys like Dante Culpepper, even Donovan McNabb. You know, they're the bigger, bulkier guys, the Ben Roethlisberger types who move around in the pocket, occasionally use their legs. Whereas I agree, a Michael Vick or a Steve Young type is more where I see Robert Griffin. That being said, that's still a very dynamic quarterback spot. Um, we'll see. Like I said, if I was actually picking first, I think you have to take Andrew Luck because you look ridiculous if you don't, and he winds up being the franchise quarterback people think he is. Um, but I'm not sure someone's going to have a very difficult decision on that. Yeah, speaking of difficult decisions, we've heard one earlier today. Earlier, we've heard that uh, Monty Ball is going to stay. And I think, I'm not sure if that's the best decision for him, but it's possible, especially with this draft class of running backs. I wouldn't be surprised if Michael James makes the same decision. O Oregon is looking to shape up to be a powerhouse for years to come. I, and that offense is so dynamic, I think that I have a chance of being the national championship game again. And with Michael James there, it's even better. Monty Ball, I think, is a good decision as well. I think, here's the reason why I don't think, I think both of them say. This year's draft class is so packed with running back prospects who are so dynamic, they can be physical, and they can run. I don't see Monty Ball or Michael James going higher in the second round. I agree. And I think the other thing is just as a running back, I feel like waiting another season is always a good idea. Running back is such a short-lived position in the NFL, such a small lifespan. That if you wait another year, you can always try and wait out. You know the Adrian Petersons, whoever the top running backs at that time are. They're gonna—we never really know when they're gonna wear down, when they're gonna fade into nothingness. So I agree. I think it's always a smart idea for those guys to wait, especially I think this year. In addition to a stacked running back list, like you mentioned, Bobby, and, um, there are also a lot of teams looking to draft quarterbacks, receivers, or O-linemen in that first round. I agree. I don't see either as before a second round pick this year. So I agree with you that going back, both of them making a play for a national championship, it's a smart move. Yeah, I suppose I really like, no matter how much hype Michael James has gotten, how, many, how dynamic of a player he is, I think Monte Ball is more traditional NFL back, but I also see Michael James being that second back. Be that feature back, the guy who's in for like a Felix Jones kind of guy. When you need burst of yards, you bring him in. I think actually, if you put these two guys together in the NFL, you can make a pretty dynamic running duo. But here's the thing: while they may be different running styles, I think they're so eerily similar that I think both would transition very well into the NFL. Yeah, I agree. I think it's really well, Michael James. I do have some health concerns for him. Uh, obviously, the smaller stature, and then on top of that, some injury problems in Oregon. Uh, not not sure about what Michael James' NFL future. I agree. I wouldn't be surprised if Monte Ball just wound up being one of those incredibly solid NFL backs. I don't see him as a dynamic, explosive guy in the NFL, but I see him as a guy who can be your one back, run between the tackles, and just do a nice, solid job for several years. Um, but hopefully he can milk a first-round pick out of that. Now, back to those uh, quarterback and receivers positions. There is one major receiving prospect coming out of the end, coming out into the draft this year. It's not quite like last year where we had both Julio Jones and A.J. Green, 
this year it's pretty much all Justin Blackman for NFL receiving prospects. Yeah, Justin Blackman, especially when if you saw that Fiesta Bowl tape, if you look, go, look back over it, he is a freak of nature. I see him, I see perhaps a combination of Calvin Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald. The speed, the strength, the tackling, the jumping ability, the ability to go out and make catch in traffic and make that spectacular grab like Fitzgerald, but also the ability to just dominate someone that's, marking, that's uh, defending you like Calvin Johnson. And the ability to just take over a game. I think both those receivers definitely have. I think one thing that Blackman might need to improve might be his route running and his run after the catch. He's good at getting yards after the catch, but at times he's a little bit loose with the football, which can be pretty harmful. Yeah, I agree. I think Blackman is every physical tool you could want out of a receiver. It's just going to be interesting to see if he can develop those raw receiving skills that can only be developed with years and years of hard work and practice. Hopefully he has that NFL drive. It seems like he does. He's a guy I'm looking forward to seeing on Sunday. Yes, but he's also a guy who's had some injury issues in college. Especially, he's seen the Rose Bowl. He was playing with an infection in his leg. He played pretty well through the pain, but he's had some issues during college, which could see him dropping a couple spots in the draft. Maybe. I think uh, I think the first team that needs a receiver is going to take him because I feel like he has that best player on the board appeal. Um, I think, the, yeah, I think the first team who has a major hole at receiver who doesn't need a quarterback will take Justin Black, but I think he's a top five pick pretty easy. Well, yeah, like Tom McShay has said he's a ten pick, but uh, Mel Kiper is a number five pick. So there's lots of very fluctuation of where he could go. I like him as a, in his future in the NFL, but he still has those questions. But yet again, so did A.J. Green. And people said A.J. Green's too skinny. He's not going to be strong enough to play. And he's had a remarkable rookie year. Yep, definitely a lot of questions. But as someone like Jimmy Graham has shown us, on some ways it does make sense to draft on talent. Uh, well, that's going to do it for us. Thanks for listening. I'm Jason. Joining me today was Bobby. And be sure to keep it right here. This was Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Thanks again for listening to Speaking of Sports on the Voice America Kids channel. Make sure you come on back next week for another great show. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today.